Welcome to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine, and Tony and I are really excited today to talk about beef and grilling and all kinds of fantastic things to do cooking-wise outside. We're going to get started here. Cindy Lou, you love the grill, don't you? I do. You know, I think it comes from working inside of a kitchen <laughs> for all these years. You've been and trapped. Dungeons and, you know, wherever. And uh, the idea of standing outside on a sunny day or even if it was raining out. I've grilled in the rain before outside. My grill at my house is right out, outside of my kitchen door, which makes it really fantastic because it's uh, very close to all the things that I need while I'm grilling. So, yeah, my dad was in the meat business all of his life. And um, my grandfather and great-grandfather were butchers. So um, had butcher shops. So, you know, it's always been a big thing at our table, uh, particularly eating beef. Um, so when I call you the butcher's daughter, it's pretty darn legitimate. It is legitimate. My father was was uh, indeed uh, grew up in a butcher shop. We're watching him give you lessons on uh, breaking down a baby lamb some yeah. springs ago mm-hmm. in your kitchen. It was pretty, pretty remarkable. Yeah. You know, when you see a 80-year-old man um, showing my cooks how to to pull apart a lamb that's that's pretty cool it really is it's uh you know um there's so many great cuts especially on a young lamb uh you know from the legs either roasting them whole or grilling them but really let's let's talk about beef and well let's some of the questions about beef one, one of the things you do you do well is you make sure that all the basics happen the way they're supposed to happen so can we start by talking about how to grill properly correctly yes. because you inevitably you see these beautiful grills in some you know in some home improvement store, and then you go to someone's house for a cookout, and you see what looks like you know something has been through a car crash, <laughs> with all kinds of carbon built up on it and everything else, and you're like, really, you're going to put food on that and, right. and cook it? No. So, I, so I what's 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 the right way to go about setting up your grill, preparing to grill on it, and, and you know and, and and the how tos of maintaining it so that you do get great product from your grill. Absolutely. So you need, uh, first of all, you want to check your propane, whatever you're using, make sure you have plenty of it. And, um, you know, you don't want to be disappointed halfway through your meal and realize that you're out of gas. So that's a kind of a silly thing to say. But seriously, it's happened to me before. I've gotten out there, turned on my grill and gotten it up to full temperature and realized I was out of propane. So I always have an extra tank actually on hand. Do you prefer propane to charcoal? I do not prefer one or the other. I think they're all great ways to cook. I also love it if you have the opportunity to grill with wood um, and get that wonderful smoke aspect into it. And there are a lot of different, you know, we could talk about this forever. I think one of the things that's, you know, there's so many different ways to grill. This is an ancient way of cooking. Um, You know, you walk in the footsteps of, you know, many people in history and, and, um, you know, many different cultures. When when you talk about grilling, if you're going to talk about, you know, I know you wanted to say something about kebab later on with Middle Eastern cooking and, you know, Southern you know, pit barbecue. I mean, there's just all kinds of different ways to grill. Main thing is to make sure your grill is clean. So you need a good grill brush, a good wire brush that has a good face on it. um, And you can really clean that grill very well. I think the biggest thing when you're thinking about grilling is think of your grill as a saute pan. Don't think of it as something that's outside. That's this, you know, thing that just sits there. Think of it as a saute pan. Would you put, if you had carbon in a saute pan, would you put food in there? Absolutely not. Would you put any kind of food in a dirty saute pan? Absolutely not. So bring it. I would bring it up to temperature first. I I usually turn on my grill on high if I I have a gas grill. Um, So if you're if you're working with charcoal or working with wood, get it hot. 
and then really, really uh, brush it down very, very well. And I do that a couple of times. Um, and then before you're ready to cook, you want to oil your grill down. Now, when you go to oil it down, we use just a, a kitchen towel, something that you can discard, you're not concerned with. We tie it up and we dip it in corn oil. Uh, very few people are allergic to corn. So, um, you know, it's a good kind of neutral oil to grill, to uh, oil your grill down with. Not to be completely stupid, mm-hmm. but how do you manage to do that and not set it on fire? And that's the whole thing. You know, you want that towel not to be completely saturated. You want it to have a light amount of oil on it. And you want to just lightly oil your grill. And then you're ready to cook. You do have, if you're not careful about it, you do have the possibility of having a, a flaming torch in your hand. Right. And also keep in mind that when you are um, marinating anything or any kind of quantity of oil, that you're going to have flare-ups. And flare-ups taste like kerosene. Your food suddenly tastes like kerosene. So obviously you don't want to have any flare-ups. That's You don't want your grill to be too hot either. You know, I think that's the next point. You know, you, you want to have a perfectly clean grill, and right before you're about to work on it, you want to oil it down, and you want to have some hotter spots and cooler spots and and having it on high if you if again if you have that kind of grill or if you're if you uh, are are working with charcoal or or wood you know you want to have a good heat surface but you don't want it to be too hot so with the hot spots and cool spots do you sometimes mark something you know Almost like you would in a pan, sear it and then move it to a cooler spot yes, to exactly. cook more more steadily. Exactly, and that's and you also want to cook evenly. So you want to turn food so that it cooks evenly on both sides. You don't want it to cook too hard on one side, and then you know you're not going to have an evenly cooked piece of food. The other thing uh, that we often talk about too is you know obviously we're always very concerned about health and sanitation, and having food be at the right temperature. Um, you want to kind of you know really especially if it's a larger piece of meat, um, you want to bring it you know, out of the refrigerator, maybe even 15 minutes before you're about to grill it, just so that you're you're having, again, even cooking as it, as it becomes a little bit warmer in temperature. And I don't want to say the word warm, but you know what I mean. You don't want it to be perfectly cold out of the refrigerator when you go to grill it. Um, yeah. What's the best way to check? I mean, is it, do you just use a meat thermometer to check, say, you're, you're, you want to do half chickens on your grill? <laughs> A meat, the meat thermometer on a bigger piece of meat is a perfect way. Um, you want to uh, make sure you're going into the center of the piece of meat, you know, that you're actually using the thermometer correctly and that you've tested your thermometer. Um, I just put my thermometer into a, a, a small pot of boiling water and make sure it's at 212 degrees, that it registers correctly at boiling point, and then you know that your thermometer is working properly and that's calibrated properly. And then, you you know, yeah, if you if you are, uh, you know, new to cooking, you definitely want to use a thermometer. And, and then the other way is as you cook more and more, you begin to recognize if you're really touching the piece of meat, you know, filling the sides, pulling it in if it's a bigger piece of meat. You know, there are all kinds of different ways, but really eventually as you cook longer, you'll you'll get to know when things are done. Yeah, it's a funny thing. Experienced grill cooks always just have kind of like they can just touch with a pair of tongs or touch yeah. with a finger and be like, that's medium rare. Absolutely. That's medium well. That's And those are people that cook, you know, a piece of meat, you know, 50 times a night. And, you know, obviously that's a Tremendous amount of repetition. But, you know, the longer you cook, the better you'll get at it. What about the basics of, like, seasoning, oil, and and marinating things so that you don't have flare-ups? I think, really, it's your own desire as to... You know, do you you add, need to add? First of all, you want to think about with your marinade. You need to add acid to it. Is it a piece of meat that maybe needs to be broken down a little bit, or are you just looking for that 
flavor of the acid. Maybe it's a vinegar or fresh lemon or lime juice. Um, so you want to decide if you really want acid in your marinade. And then, um, you know, how long do I want to marinate it? Do I want to marinate it overnight? Is it a flank steak? Flank steak has some connective tissue in it. You're going to, it's not a piece of beef tenderloin. A beef flank steak needs to marinate probably overnight with some acid. A piece of beef tenderloin does not need acid. I typically marinate, you know, beef tenderloin and extra virgin olive oil and some sort of herb um, and light salt and pepper. So it really depends on the piece of meat as to what you're going to do and as to what's in the marinade and how long. Is there any particular thing that you can't stand grilling you think should never be grilled? You think this is bad news grilling it? <laughs> Anything that's tough. You you have to have primal cuts of meat um, to grill. You You can't the the you know a short rib or you know a tougher piece of meat needs to be braised the most terrifying thing of my youth that had to do with grilling is my mother became inspired one time to do a london broil <laughs> oh. and she marinated it overnight thinking it was going to be much more tender and it was pretty much it was a boot it was a boot <laughs> that had worcestershire sauce on it oh, that we attempted to chew for about an hour i think right. she could have marinated that in kerosene and it would not have broken down in any way shape or form right so you need primal cuts Yes. So, what kind of cuts? What are the what What are your favorite cuts to grill? What are the What are the best value cuts? What are the secret cuts? That's the you, as the butcher's daughter. What are all the beef secrets that you should tell people? Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, that you're obviously, to tell hamburger people. is going to be one of your. That's not a secret, but you know, as far as a secret, so I what, would say so probably a skirt steak or not to be silly, hanger what, steak, something what, like what's that. What's important with hamburger meat? Oh, well, with hamburger meat, it needs to be high-quality beef. Uh, you know, the better the beef, the better the hamburger, and you do need some fat in there. It's, you know, it's just a little bit like what we're going to talk about in a minute, which is you want all meat to have some marbling to it. So for, for hamburger meat, you, you see these people, you see in, in the grocery store, you see 90 lean and 10 fat. That's that's probably too skinny for burger meat, really. Definitely. Yeah, I think 80-20, you know, but I, I, don't, want, I don't want to... Absolutely define that. I think people are going to decide what they want to do, but I, I would encourage you to get the best hamburger meat you uh, can if you're inviting me and as fresh bur- as possible. If you're inviting me for burgers, please make it 80-20 and, yeah. not, and okay. not skinnier than that. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Right. And, you know, we have some wonderful local farms and, you know, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll throw out a name because they, they do a great job, which is Rosetta. And uh, it's a local farm and their hamburger meat is frankly some of the best hamburger meat I've ever had. So, you know, it's... it's uh, um, Great when we can support locally. We always talk about these things, and and um, you know, I, I think also what you also want to consider with any beef that you're working with USDA is it going to be prime choice or select? And uh, obviously, if you can afford prime uh, with different cuts, it's it's fantastic. But you know, there's nothing wrong with choice meat. And so, what are the what are the differences between the, those grades? You're, you're talking about marbling and age of the animal. Um, you know, and with marbling, you want to see almost like a fine net of marbling going through the piece of meat. Um, so it's not you know, just marbling. one big edge of fat. No, right, it's, right. It's something that's sort of through the mm-hmm. It kind of creates a web. And what, what happens is you, when it's a fine, uh, you know, smaller pieces of fat in the meat, it when it cooks, it melts and... Um, lubricates the meat basically as it's as it's that's, cooking. That's what makes it tender. Exactly. It makes it tender, makes the meat te- more tender and it gives it flavor. Fat is flavor. And so it's it's absolutely important. Tell me, uh, aging of beef. You see, you, you always you, you see this on restaurant menus, or you see, you know, dry aged beef. Mm-hmm. What what is that about? Is dry aged versus wet aged, or how how old is the right age? 
Well, there's no definition for that. But I think, you know, if something's aged four to six weeks, it's going to have great flavor. And, you know, obviously, the longer the meat ages, the drier it gets. Not, no, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that it loses moisture as it ages. And, um, you know, your flavor intensifies. So obviously, if you're losing moisture, you're intensifying flavor. And um, the longer something's aged, the more strong it becomes. So, you know, and that's not a negative thing. It's just, you know, it's that's what's interesting about aged meat is it becomes more intensely flavored and that's why so it's it loses, desirable. it loses water not fat right so the meat is stronger the fat is stronger yeah. and and the, the water goes out so that you know you want to you want to uh, look you know that's one of the reasons why aged meat is desirable and the other thing you want to look for is is it organic is it you know what is happening with the meat is it uh, are there any growth hormones are there any antibiotics you know obviously you want to try to avoid that and and you know again I, d- I don't want to I'm not preaching here we're just talking about things that you can look for um, and and you make your own decisions about what you want to well, buy something naturally raised should have more natural flavor right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you see these terms thrown around um, corn fed grass-fed, corn-finished, what um, is there, the difference, corn-fed is obviously more sugar, so more fat, right, for the cattle? Some of the cattle are fed corn last 120 days. I mean, everyone does, you know, every farmer has their way of doing things, and, you know, if you have grass-fed, they may be finished on corn, so there are a lot of different ways of farming. So, but that is, that's a great piece of beef if it's fattened with corn feed, so that's a good way to go. So natural flavor more fat that's what you want Mm -hmm. okay when we come back we're going to get into uh, what beef Cindy actually wants to grill and what in the world to drink with it welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine I'm Tony Foreman and Chef Cindy Wolf and we're on the grill. Uh, we're getting into we're, well. Oh no! You're, I'm going to grill you, Cindy. That's oh, what's God. going on. Okay? Uh-huh. Well, it kind of feels that way so far. <laughs> oh, gee, no! What? <laughs> we're going to play. We're going to play the beef cut game. All okay. Right. Now we're going to have fun. I'm going to throw out mm-hmm. a beef cut. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're going to tell me what you're going to do with it. Okay. And then you can throw it back at me, and I'm going to tell you what you should do with it wine wise. Absolutely. So for for those people that are going to go to the store and you're going to find a cut of X that looks good to you, mm-hmm. she's going to give you a good idea of what to do with it. And I'm going to give you a good idea of what in the world to take out of the salad to, to drink with it. How about that? Okay. And if you don't like it, do it, you can Let's blame, start grilling. blame us entirely. All right. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, we'll start with an easy one. Here's a soft pitch. So flank steak. You mm-hmm. love flank steak. So mm-hmm. what what are you going to do with it? Definitely going to, I think, cilantro, red onion, um, or... You could go pomegranate juice and red onion and cilantro. This is a, definitely a, some is a form marinade? of acid. Yeah, I'm definitely going to marinate it. I think you can use a neutral oil, just a basic extra. I mean, a basic olive oil. N- don't go towards extra virgin. It's not necessary with flank steak, and also flank steak's inexpensive. So let's just you know kind of keep everything uh, you know on the low cost end, and you know do this wonderful marinade. Um, fl- cool thing about flank steak is it cooks very quickly, especially if you want to eat it medium rare. Um, so you, you can have a relatively hot grill, not too hot, not flaming hot, but you know. Um, say medium, medium heat, medium to medium high heat, and um, watch your marinade. You're going to have product that's going to burn. Those red onions are going to burn once they hit the grill. So you marinate it, but kind of then, you know, if you will, scrape it off a little bit, and then hit it with a little bit of fresh corn oil and pop it on the grill, and that's going to be excellent. Slice it on a bias. That's another thing we need to talk about is, you know, you want to um, always go against the grain of the meat when you're slicing. So you're going to mark it on both sides 
pretty well for mm-hmm. a minute or two. Mm-hmm. And then before you slice it, you're going to rest it off the fire, right? Absolutely. Rest and then slice it against the grain. And also, you know, with something like that... Um, why, would, uh, why, do you, why, why are you resting that piece of meat? The blood needs to redistribute back through the piece of meat. So once uh, the juices have kind of uh, moved back through, heat causes it to, the meat to constrict, and you want it to relax, basically. Let's relax the meat before we slice it. And think of it that way. What, what kind of red wine are we going to drink with that? It, it doesn't have much fat, so you don't need that much tannin, and you kind of mm-hmm. have zesty things with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, some crunchy young Rioja that, oh, that uh, you know, an 08 or an 09 mm-hmm. uh, Crianza from uh, Muga or a Sierra Cantabria, uh, one of the old school producers that makes its medium body, good acidity. Um, you serve it a little bit cool, you know, because yeah. chances well, are you're going to, you know, that's flank steak's the kind of thing that goes well with uh, a mostly cold supper, you know, so you have like a potato salad out and a regular salad out or something and and that Rioja and a nice piece of cheese and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some manchego if you want to be thematic about it. Okay, sounds good. That's All right. a good meal. What's next? Should be. Next up, uh, let's let's blow the bank. Let's uh, let's talk about tenderloin. Okay, beef good. Ten, beef good. tenderloin. So let's say you're, it's birthday dinner for someone. Uh, well, and 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 you love beef tenderloin, and I you do. love not just any old beef tenderloin, but you also like Kobe mm-hmm. or Snake River Farm tenderloin, mm-hmm. the jazzy stuff that cost eight million dollars a pound. Right, and I think with that you need to consider if you are, you know, really breaking the bank and you're doing something like Snake River Farm tender. You need to cook that rare. Please, 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 please cook it rare. You know, that piece of meat deserves that. That's the way it's going to be best. That fat's going to be incredible. Uh, The flavor is unbelievable. So let's just, you know, again, you have a a medium to medium high heat grill, well oiled down, ready for your your meat. You don't need to marinate that. You just, you know, I would literally just rub it with corn oil, salt and pepper, season it well. Uh, Make sure it's not too cold when it goes on the grill and um, grill it the whole piece. That's the great thing about a tenderloin now. If you can get the filet, that center piece, you know, if you're only cooking for two or four people, you can get the center, and that is a brilliant piece of meat. That's the question that I have for you is with uh, with uh, beef tenderloin, because you've got it's a, it's an odd shaped muscle. Mm-hmm. It's sort of you know sort of almost like a fat short snake, you know, that's that's right. five pounds, seven pounds, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you're talking about the filet mignon, the, Very the sort of fatter steaks in the center of that, mm-hmm. but you also have pieces towards the end. Yeah. What, what do you want to ask your butcher for? Uh, you know, again, if you if you can't get the filet mignon and any butcher is going to know what you're talking about when you say that, which is the center of the tenderloin, uh, you want the muscle off, the side muscle off, the, and the, we call it the chain. And um, there's not a lot of edible meat on the chain. Um, so, you know, I would just make sure that that's not a attached. But really, you know, the center is great. Now, remember that tenderloin has almost no fat in it. So one of the things that I used to do back in the day was wrap, if I am, you know, let's say I don't want to roast the tender whole, I want maybe faster cooking time, and I'm going to cut into, or, you know, maybe we're having other pieces of meat, so we're only cutting like four ounce pieces of tenderloin. I wrap it in bacon, and um, you need a piece of of, uh, string, butcher's butcher's twine, and just wrap uh, wrap it in bacon. And that is really delicious. One, if you like the flavor of bacon. And two, it uh, gives it a little inherent smoke because of the bacon. And three, it bastes it while it grills and gives it some fat, which is just a fun way to uh, to eat the tenderloin. So what else do you want to put on the plate with your good old tenderloin with uh, bacon 
wrapped around it if you're deft with that string. Uh-huh. I think that, well, and also don't leave um, too long of a piece of string on it. It'll catch on fire, so don't do that. <laughs> no more flaming torch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no no, no ignition, uh, no igniting the tenderloin. Um, I think that I love potatoes, so I would probably already have a potato croutan working in the oven, but I would grill some zucchini out of my garden this summer. Um, you know, and again, oh my God, I love grilled zucchini. Just brush it with a good extra virgin olive oil, a little salt and pepper, and then grill that, or maybe some grilled eggplant, um, all these wonderful things that you are either going to get locally at market or perhaps out of your own garden. And also beef tenderloin loves tomato. So I might grill some tomatoes. I might do some fried green tomatoes. You said that beef tenderloin doesn't have much fat, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. do you do a sauce that has a lot of fat? I mean, isn't that one of the more old school things to... Mm -hmm. To do with that sort of sure. cut with a filet mignon. Sure. So what what you sort could of do a sauce a, is a that? mushroom cream sauce with a little Madeira in it? You could use button mushrooms or cognac. Um, you could go that direction. That would be certainly would be delicious. So let's see. If you're putting bacon with it, wine wise, what in the world do? See, it's funny. Beef tenderloin. I always think, and people think giant red wines for beef, but that's a that's something that has rich, rich flavor, but it doesn't have that much fat to it. Mm-hmm. I always actually think Pinot Noir. I always think that whether it's yeah. whether it's Pinot Noir from California, because you don't again, you don't need that much tannin, mm-hmm. but you want really interesting flavor and you want really interesting uh, texture and and fine structure, but you don't need that much. You you really don't need that much as far as power. So whether it's Pinot from California or Oregon, people seem to be very very into Lambert Valley Pinot right now, or uh, or Pinot from Burgundy, of course. Yes. But if it's if it's something that's like simple grilled fresh and a lot of veggies, that's not. That's not the time to bring out the 1990 Avon Romanet Premier Cru or something that is super crazy complex and secondary flavors. It's really more like Juicy Young 2008 or 2009, you know, Village level, Jeffrey Chambertin, Chambon Moussigny, something like that. Sounds good. That has some, some, some guts and a lot of fruit. Can I have some of that while I'm grilling? Uh, really? <laughs> do, don't you think it's going to knock you off kilter a little <laughs> no, bit? No, not at all. Oh, all right. Not if I'm outside. <laughs> All right. What 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 other f- favorite beef cuts do you oh, well, do you have? For I think grilling? we should talk about porterhouse and T-bone because they're interesting. Uh, one is a little bit further is one, up is the one, short is one line. Better than the other? Uh, no, I don't think. Well, I mean, you know, everything's relative to your own opinion. But I think that the the difference between the porterhouse and the T-bone really is is the size of the tenderloin piece on the side. So T-bone has a little bit smaller piece of the tender. That's just the nature of where it comes from on the animal. Um, but you know, one of the things I think you have I talk about this because I think it's an it's an interesting thing to cook because you have the strip on the one side and the tender on the other, and you know those are two different pieces of meat. So yeah. it's it's sort of a challenge to cook a, a porterhouse or a T-bone uh, really well. So you build like two different fires? <laughs> you suspend the one side in the right. air while the other one cooks? <laughs> no, but you might have one side a little bit like if you do have, a, again, if it's a charcoal fire, you know, you may want the tenderloin on the side that's uh, a little bit cooler. Um, or if you have a jet, you know, uh, a gas-fired grill, you can might have a little bit cooler side on your grill for your tenderloin side. But, um, yeah, you just want to consider that when you're grilling it because it is two different structures and uh, muscle structures. And, and um Obviously, the tenderloin is extremely tender, and the uh, strip is a little bit uh, have more more structure to it. So, uh, marinade, I would say uh, again, something very simple. You don't need acid there. You certainly could, but you don't need it. So, I would probably do extra virgin and maybe some fresh rosemary or thyme or something, or even uh, well, no, those two from the garden. I think that's good. A little salt and pepper, and then. 
you know, I think for accompaniment, I would definitely do chimichurri on there. Um, and, you know, with chimichurri. Chimi, chimichurri. The, Argentine The Argentine marinade. sauce. Mm-hmm. I worked for a chef from Argentina when I was in Charleston. And I, I, this is something that I have done ever since I uh, knew Marcelo. And um, chimi can be made different ways. It can be made from dried herbs or fresh herbs. It can have tomato in it. It actually does not traditionally have fresh tomato in it, but that's how my chef made it. And um, he also used raspberry vinegar, which was not traditional. Um, but, you know, fresh parsley, thyme, basil, a little bit of garlic, shallot, a good extra virgin olive oil, salt and pepper, and then you can make your choice. Do you want lemon or lime juice in it? Do you want, you know, you can go that way. And um, um, the tomato is so great in there. A little fresh tomato from your garden again or local tomato this summer once we hit uh, mid-July or so um, and chop that fresh, add it to your relish at the end. And, uh, you know, a nice bit of that on top of that T-bone or porterhouse right before serving it is absolutely delicious. Well, that's and you talk about it as a marinade too. So you would use the same sauce as a marinated and as, you could you could absolutely and as uh, finishing absolutely. That's uh, I always have this image in the you know in, in, uh, of, of the pampas of the you know the cowboys with the the mm-hmm. giant haunch of beef up on uh, <laughs> on a spit and with like a paintbrush mm-hmm. and brushing it with uh, chimichurri while it roasted up on the roasted up on the spit over a fire. One of my favorite uh, things that ever happened when I worked in Charleston with Marcelo was um, we went out onto one of the barrier onto one of the islands and um, had a party for all. He had a party for all of the people that worked for him, and he went out there at like six o'clock in the morning, got the fire started, and uh, had a very flat grill, very traditional Argentine way of cooking, um, big, big, big open surface, and he roasted a whole pig out there, and we made five gallons of chimichurri, and he put that in the <laughs> in the cavity of the of the pig, and um, I mean, cooked that all day long. That was one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. And I had never seen anybody grill where they had whole chickens on the the grill and whole peppers and whole lengths of pork sausages and, you know, just uh, coils of sausages on the grill. Oh, my gosh. It was just... Invite everybody and cook the farm party. Oh, yeah. And then we would have Argentine red wine. (laughs) So, you know, oh, it was was just absolutely phenomenal. Well, it's funny you you mentioned Argentine red wine because you're talking about porterhouses and T-bones and... And uh, cuts, especially like strip Malbec, mm. you know, which is sort of the the, the, the prince of the Argentine red wines, or the pride of the Argentine red wines. Malbec is great because of that sort of floral and crunchy and herby and, you know, sweet black fruited character that it has. It's great with, with steaks like that off the grill and, mm-hmm. and does great with the RV marinades and because of the ripeness that you get down there and the, and sort of the ridiculous sun at the higher altitudes. Mm-hmm. So there's a... An easy segue on there that one. There you go. Perfect. All right. So you're talking about that, that great whole pig on the traditional Argentine mm-hmm. grill. W- what about maybe three other things that are fantastic to grill, whether it's particular kinds of sausages or chickens or little birds or mm-hmm. lamb cuts or what are your favorites? Well, again, if you're, you're talking about, you know, if you can get a great chicken, uh, there are chickens now that are uh, cooled, air-cooled, and um, just absolutely, you know, can be wonderful. So... Um, you know, we all love barbecue chicken or even just, uh, again, an herb marinade on a, on a chicken. But, uh, you know, move into pork. I mean, there's so many wonderful cuts of pork. You know, the loin is obviously loves to be grilled. Any of those primal cuts, again, it kind of comes back to. And, and also with pork, you know, a pork chop, a pork loin chop with a bone in um, just with the bone, it gives it flavor. With a nice piece of fat cap around it, it gives it flavor. Just watch those flare ups. What do you what do you like to grill, Tony? Lamb. That's mm-hmm. you know whether it's done as kebabs or mm-hmm. or or you know which is what you often see, which are you know little little knuckles of uh, the leg meat usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, lamb leg steak. 
which yeah. has great flavor, but it's definitely one of the trickiest things. I mean, they're what, five muscles, four muscles? Yeah, they're- In they're, a lamb leg steak, because mm-hmm. it's a cross section. Mm-hmm. So you really have to, you know, you have to figure out, you're gonna have, with a lamb leg steak, you're gonna have three different temperatures in the same cut. Exactly. When you take it off the grill. And usually, because of the size of it, you're probably looking at a 12 or 14 ounce piece of meat, mm-hmm. unless it's gonna be incredibly skinny. So you're probably gonna, you're gonna aim for a m- the medium range, but just to get the to get the flavor right and to melt off enough of the fat. And there is so much flavor in a lamb yeah, like steak. Exactly. And you, you can. Know, use I think you have to just give up on worrying about how it might be a little bit tough here or there because the flavor is well, fantastic is and part of it is very tender. That's, so that's that's the your favorite red wine in the world's or red wine from Chateauneuf du Pape, if I recall correctly. Absolutely, I think I do. I think you know that. <laughs> and uh, and that's that's exactly. There's so much flavor and. And intensity, and it's it's almost like its own sauce. I mean, lamb leg steak with very little garnish, you know, with nice vegetables of the season, whether it's like artichokes this time of the year, uh, or yeah. you know, or, or more of the traditional Provencal vegetables, or, or ratatouille or something like that mm-hmm. on the side of it in the, in the mid, midsummer. What would you do with the artichokes? How would you cook them? I probably, honestly, I'd, I'd rather have them have them poached mm-hmm. and then cooled. And then grill them or do them as a raw salad if you get the babies. I love it when I love and artichokes on a raw salad. So you good. Just, yeah, you, it's just amazing. lots of acid. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Lemon, vinegar, salt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, chop it very, very small. That's almost like a almost like a garnish, and I'll let that marinate for a, an hour or two. And mm-hmm. that's and 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 great oil. I love raw button mushrooms in there too. I think that I think those two things together are so Ooh, good. And maybe a little Reggiano cheese, you know, maybe not for the lamb, but oh my gosh, that would be a great salad. Arugula. <laughs> Can go on and on. Cindy's <laughs> going on the artichokes. <laughs> and what else do you like to grill? Sausages. I'm a yeah. total sucker for the great sausages. Oh, sausage the, the, the great different kinds of chorizo you get in Spain, the fresh chorizos that mm-hmm. uh, if you have a wood fired grill, sausage is done on that because because the fat content is high. And that fat tends to get a great flavor from the smoke, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but chorizo in particular, because it has pimenton, which is that smoked paprika, yeah. that has a very particular flavor. Th- those are those are strong flavors. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something for, uh, you know, if you're doing a mixed grill of a lot of strong vegetables and and chorizos and you know pork chops or something like that. That's not a giant piece of money to get that done, right? Well, and isn't that what's fun about eating that way is, you know, you have a cut of pork, then you have some sausage meat. And again, if you have the chorizo with all that wonderful spice in it, and then you have some grilled poblano peppers and some grilled onions. And red and, onions and green oh, tomatoes. That's fantastic. And, and how fun is that? And you can put that on a big platter and, you know, you've, everything's done. You know, you don't even have to turn on the stove. Well, it's the kind of thing you can just dress it with, with, with good extra virgin olive oil mm-hmm. and fresh herbs from your garden. And maybe a little lemon juice or a little sprinkle of, uh, of of good wine vinegar. Absolutely. And and you're done. That's a good, healthy way to eat too. When we come back, we're going to be talking about grilling seafood. All the all of the most helpful and honestly, maybe my favorite things to grill in the entire world. Okay, sounds good. Welcome back to Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine, and we're talking about grilling. And my question to you, Tony, is what is the best grilled food you've ever had in a restaurant? 
That's a very, very easy question. Good. There is a restaurant I've been lucky enough to go to a couple of times in Spain. In have ba- I been there? In Basque Country. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> yes. I wanted the first time, and I told you immediately, like, this yeah. is the craziest thing. Have to go, have to go. So there's a restaurant uh, that you cannot spell the name of, <laughs> and it's difficult to pronounce because it's Basque word, Echavarri. Mm-hmm. Um, Echavarri is in the mountains about, or in the foothills of the mountains, maybe 45 minutes an hour out of San Sebastian. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the gentleman who's a chef there left his job as a scientist and to dedicate. He, he decided that grilling food is what he wanted to do, and he grills everything. He grills caviar. Mm-hmm. He grills oysters. Butter. He grills butter. Well, that was a little. He grills raw mushroom. You did not like. I the did grilled not like butter. the grilled You're butter. You're completely freaked out. That was out. a little odd. He grills everything. It tasted over like a cigarette. Some people like butter and cigarettes, maybe. I uh-huh. don't. I, you right. don't, but, but I understand. His food is absolutely amazing. It, it's a, and and it is because of his science brilliant. background, he, he has crafted all these different ways to grill things you wouldn't normally think of or little funny like custom lobster holders. So he like grills whole live lobsters in these particular baskets. And, you know, you see the funny little implements you see at the, at the you know, hardware store or home center or whatever for grilling things. Not on this guy has mm-hmm. very specific things. He has cans uh, or little tins to hold caviar in so we can grill caviar. Mm-hmm. I mean, little tiny individual shrimp, little clam. Different, he has three different ones for different kinds of clams. Mm-hmm. But everything from all these different seafood products, the sea cucumber at this place, unbelievable. Um, and the big gambas and and uh, chigala, all kinds of things. The, what, what is that? Chigala is uh, it's a shellfish, mm-hmm. maybe a pretty strong kind of prawn almost. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't think we had that when I was there. I, the the clams they were only have them once in a while. The clams are amazing. And the turbo, turbo, yeah, the whole the whole turbo, whole and, turbo and its own grilled. in its own little basket, all over wood, you know, brilliant. over wood fire. And he's got four different wood fires going, of different sizes with different woods mm-hmm. to do different things. It's because I mean, it's it's best country. It's all forest, but it's less than an hour away from the sea, and a lot of the best fishing in Absolutely. the world, you know, from the Bay of Biscay. So, um, and then he also does beef and. Uh, the chuleta or chuleton, chuleton's a sort of giant chops. It's always a giant ribeye of sorts that uh, they do, and it's the the beef from Galicia, you know, what you see the Gallego breed um, that is a little bit like the Tuscan beef that you see that's that's pretty heavily muscled, and they age it for a long time. It has great flavor and very lean. And anyway, yeah, we what do we have? Eighteen courses or something of different grilled things experience. in that restaurant. Yes. And probably 18 bottles of uh, Muga Rioja over there with, with one Muga. <laughs> Muga. And Jorge Rodonez. Very good. But, uh, yeah, that's definitely the – I don't think that you can do a better grilling experience than that. What are the grapes in that region? In Rioja? Mm-hmm. Tempranillo is the most important one. Mm-hmm. There are three others that go into the blend, but Mazzuelo and Carnacha. Um, but but Tempranillo is what – that's the pride of it, just like Arbelo Duero. Any white wines in that region or – not yeah, notable. You, you see whites along the coast, okay. and uh, Chac- uh, Chacoli is the— Oh, yes. Yeah, and they're from two different towns that they're important Chacoli, but uh, light, 11% alcohol, very like appley, lightly spritzy, very fresh breakfast wine. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> breakfast wine. It may sound strange, but yeah, breakfast wine there along the coast with like preserved fish and little toasts and red onions out of the garden, and which, which mm, it's, it's a pretty hearty breakfast. Good way to start the day. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So uh, well, so we're on the Basque Coast. Let's talk about grilling seafood. Mm-hmm. What are your favorite grilled seafood things to eat? What do you like to make at home? 
I I love calamari on the grill. I think that's just so amazing. What a great way to eat calamari. And I don't know that a lot of people think of that. Well, the trick with calamari is actually getting fresh calamari, right? Right, right, right. Because 99% of the calamari you get out is frozen you just you just want to make sure it's fresh and and uh you know cleaning it if you're if you're cleaning it yourself uh that's a little bit of a process and maybe something you might want to look up i can't really describe that on the radio but uh you know i think that um octopus calamari and of course there are all, you know so many different types of Cuddle, shrimp you could throw cuttlefish, on. yeah mm-hmm, that's, mm-hmm. cephalopods are definitely one of my favorite things mm-hmm. to to cook at home to cook in the restaurants and and uh, whether it's on a grill or on the plancha. Mm-hmm. There's a restaurant in Barcelona, uh, Suque d'Amaral, is the first place I had calamari uh, cooked on a hot grill. It was just marinated very lightly in, in, in oil and lemon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was grilling sli- like fat slices of green apple at the same time. Oh. And the calamari. And calamari, you know, fresh like that, grilling the whole tubes and tentacles. The tentacles get a little bit crispy, and the tubes just get a little bit caramelized, and you just kind of roll them around mm-hmm. and hopefully don't drop them to the grates. <laughs> And the apple are just marked on both sides. And and he just chopped them both together as, as like a salad with, with good oil and that a drop great. of wine vinegar. And oh, my goodness, that yeah. was crazy good. The, the thing is, all the juice that's on the cutting board from the apple and from the calamari, that is the sauce. That's right. that's sort of the whole ballgame is you bring all of that out by, by cooking it just a little bit. Good you're point. You're just getting it warm. You're just caramelizing the outside a little bit. You, if you cook it hard, like you're like, hmm, is it done? I'm scared it's not done. As soon as you start thinking that, you've already overcooked it. Absolutely. And it has no flavor, and it'll be like chewing shoelaces. Right. It's a quick process, That's, which is another advantage with making something like that, that it, you can make dinner so quickly with something like calamari or cuttlefish or you know any of those. That's the kind of thing. If you want to serve, say, tapas at home, and you're going to do a meal, and, a meal and it's all on your grill, and everyone has a glass of wine, if you, if you have a cutting board handy, you literally can make that same dish in a matter of two minutes mm-hmm. for 10 people. All you need are spoons. You know, you do you, you do the dish in a bowl, yes. and you scoop out a spoon and pass them like hors d'oeuvres, and everyone gets a bite of that with a glass of wine. That's a perfect little thing. That's great to to get them started. I think if I have a biggest passion in seafood, it's probably grilling whole fish. Yeah, I know that you love steaky fish off the grill. Mm-hmm. Any Tuna, favorites? Swordfish? Any? Well. You know, anything like that. And those are such quick cooking fish because you're probably going to eat them medium rare. I would. And, uh, you know, I love, I love. Uh, Is it okay to, to, to eat fish like, say, a piece of salmon or a piece of tuna? Why would you eat it medium rare instead of cooking it through? It's a complete, well, it's a different texture. And, uh, you know, I think you just taste the fish more, quite frankly. Um, I love raw fish, so you know I'm happy to eat salmon tartare, tuna tartare, and um, I almost prefer sometimes with fish like that. I think I prefer them raw to cooked. So uh, if I am going to grill a piece of salmon, I'm definitely grilling it rare. When Absolutely. You, when you're looking for salmon fillets, tuna fillets for grilling, is there a particular? You'll see sometimes in stores you'll see tuna steaks or, or you know salmon steaks, things like that. Would you rather have a fillet or a steak? And and how do you tell quality on those things? Well, if you have a whole f- piece of fish to look at, you're looking for clear eyes, red gills, and a firm texture, and obviously smell. You know, you want it to <clears throat> smell good. So we actually asked the, the guy at the fish counter, can I smell that fish? Mm-hmm. Sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? I think people are so shy, shy sometimes. I remember my great-grandmother going to Lexington Market when I was a little kid and taking me along with, and she was just the devil to people <laughs> <laughs> to make sure she got exactly what she wanted the way that Absolutely. she wanted it for her family. It's a... To cook it. There's so, nothing wrong with that. No, no question. 
scallops are great on the grill too, and such a another quick cook. And uh, seem like seem like a tricky thing to to cook. You're talking about sea scallops. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, yes, yeah, definitely. You need the larger scallop uh, out of the shell. And uh, but if you have your grates are pretty close together, you shouldn't have any problem grilling a scallop, a large scallop. And those I always cook those to medium rare. So that's you know you're talking about two or three minutes on the grill, and you would mark them on both sides, and you know a little bit of oil and salt, and by that time you're done, and take them off the grill. One of the tricks with any of those kinds of seafood is because they're quick cook. Let's say it's even it's a tuna fillet that's a nice size. It's almost cut like a filet mignon. You're still only cooking in a minute or two on each side tops to get it marked and mm-hmm. get it to to rare, medium rare. When you when you take those fillets off, you have to have everything on the plate ready to go. Right. So what what do you like on let's let's say you're someone's cooking tuna at home on the grill. You know, three minutes have gone by, and the three minutes is cooking on the grill. They got three minutes to get things on the plate. What belongs on that plate? Well, especially in the summertime, I would probably have an Erica Vera salad ready to go, or green bean salad. You know, something uh, crunchy and bright and fresh with a little olive oil. And I would hit hit that with lemon juice at the last moment. And um, I love olives with tuna. So you know, pichelin olives, niçoise olives, neon olives, any of any olive with a lot of good flavor and high quality olive. Um, just you know, you could crush them, you could chop them, and make a relish. And almost like a quick tapenade or something mm-hmm. with uh, niçoise olives mm-hmm. for tuna. So what would you put in that tapenade? Because that's a that's a great classic. Capers, capers, uh, the chopped olive, olive oil, or you could even use corn oil. Um, it's a little bit gilding the lily using uh, uh, olive oil with olives and. And although some olives packed in oil, uh, like the tajiashi, those those olives, that oil is so brilliant. I always use the oil that they're packed in to make my relish. And um, I said capers and a little bit of garlic or shallot, uh, something like that. And and the the tajiashi, that's I always is almost like a trick. The tajiashi olive oil, I use a little bit of that and a little bit of lemon peel mm-hmm. and rub them in a mortar and pestle together with a little Ooh. bit of crunchy salt mm-hmm. and then use that to brush the fish while it's cooking on the grill. Yeah, that sounds good. And serve that with, uh, you know, like you, if you if you boil new potatoes and cut a couple of fat slices, you can smoke them lightly on the grill when, uh, you know, with the skin still on them mm-hmm. while you just to get them warm Yes. while the fish is grilling and then serve it with uh, with an olive relish, relish like you're talking about with the takiyashis. Yeah, you definitely want to have your mise en place and all your accompaniment ready to go before you grill a quick food like that. A tuna is your best excuse for red wine with fish, too, for sure. There you go. Because of the texture, because of the flavors and that. And look look there, Cindy. You get to drink from the Rhone Valley again. You All get right. to drink. Excellent. Nice cut mm-hmm. de Village or a Chateauneuf du Pop or a Lirac or one of the Grenache-based wines, not, a, not a Syrah-based wine. All right. So how about a rockfish? Hmm. Maryland, Maryland is rockfish country. Oh, it's a great fish. So can, do you like that hole on the grill? Absolutely, that would be fantastic. I would definitely put some fresh thyme and in the in the uh, belly, and uh, a little bit of sea salt in that belly, and you know, score the outside of the fish so that it cooks correctly. And um, you know, obviously, you have to scale it if it's a whole fish. Scale it, score it, season it, oil it, grill it, put the top down, let it smoke a little bit. Oh, so good. So let's let let's back up a second and go through. Okay, you're at the store and you're asking for a whole fish, and you see a nice rockfish. Mm-hmm. It's what maybe two three pounds, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And that'll feed from the well, but, probably four people. May, maybe if it's three pounds, probably four people. Yeah, yeah? yeah. for the, for the whole fish. Mm-hmm. So let's say you're doing dinner for four. So you would ask them at the you know you you see the bright eye, 
and you smell the fish and it smells nice and, and clean and just a little bit like sea salt. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to ask them to scale it. I would definitely ask them to scaling it. Scaling a fish at home is a big it's, mess. Is a mess and there's yeah. scales flying all over your exactly. kitchen. Exactly. Yeah. You won't and then like, a cat gets you won't one of like the scales and runs all over the house <laughs> with it like it's, you know, yes. like a special treat. Um, so you scale the scaled fish there. They've gutted the fish already. Mm-hmm. Right. So then you get home, you un- unwrap the fish. And you said, so the belly, the, the, the bit of cavity that's there, so you, you season it inside the cavity? Mm-hmm. Sea salt. Uh, I'd put some whole pieces of thyme in there. Maybe a couple of lemon slices or exactly. something. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A little bit of fresh shallot or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, and then the outside of the fish. You just want to take a sharp pointed knife and score very... Don't go too far into the fish, but score that skin so that it cooks correctly on the grill. It's literally like just making sort of crosshatch, mm-hmm. you know marks on the on the skin of the fish so that it releases a little bit of the fat from the the skin and the heat transmits evenly all along the surface exactly. of the fish. Exactly. And so then you oil your grill grates down. Mm-hmm. And then how high for the grill temperature? Again, I would be careful with the heat, so I'd probably keep it at a medium heat. And one of the great things in, in, with restaurant grills is that the commercial ones, you can tilt them at an angle so you can control that mm-hmm. distance from the flame and you can cook things slowly. At home, that's tough. So yeah, you're gonna have my to, grill at home does not do that. That's no. one of the things I don't like about my yeah. grill. I wish it did do that. So you have to you have to really be careful that you don't have that too hot to start, or you burn that skin. Mm-hmm. And all you all you're gonna do is is smell like kerosene burnt fish skin, and you just spent this money on a beautiful piece of fish that you just destroyed. Mm-hmm. So you're talking low medium yes. for the heat. Yeah, and uh, and then cooking it to a rock is a fish that you want probably medium medium well. Yes. So it's still juicy. You want it to be but, moist, but yeah. You, but, you, but cooked mostly You want it relatively through. cooked through. Well, and also you're going to have to pull that fillet off of the fish, so you're going to end up deboning it uh, for your guests, so you and it's gonna, want it to be cooked And it's going to carry over cooking a little bit when you take mm-hmm. it off the grill. So it's probably, if you take it off medium to medium well, you're going to be you're, fine. You're probably going to be fine. It's going to land on the medium well ranges where you usually want that kind of fish. Mm-hmm. And so how long do you think on a side for three pound, maybe... Hmm, five six minutes. Yeah, probably something like that. You're, again, you're th- that's not the easiest thing to do to cook a no. piece of whole fish. This this is a little this is it's, a little skill involved in this, it's, but it's a great thing to do and it's, it's first, a great way to eat the it's fish. It's going to sound well. It is. It it's is going one, to be moist and gorgeous. It is one of the special correctly. treats. I think one of the an investment in your own education is probably get two fish the first time that you do it. Yeah, really. <laughs> because <Practice. laughs> if you if, the, the worst thing that happens is you nail it the first time. And you can make another one tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Good <laughs> but, if, but, 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 but if you don't nail it the first time, then – and so then, then you take the – the fish is probably five, six minutes on a side. Mm-hmm. And the, while it's grilling, are you brushing it? Yeah, I would delicately. Again, you don't want excess oil or it's going to flare up on you. But, yes, you want to keep the – you want to keep all food m- moist while it's grilling. You have to keep a certain amount of oil on it. So maybe it's oil, a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of salt that you kind of brush it with lightly mm-hmm. on the on the non-grilling side because when it turns, then it has a little bit of, you know, it, it also transmits the heat through that. Mm-hmm. Well, and sea salt or kosher salt are perfect. Either one are perfect for that. And you're use. not flipping it back and forth. It's literally oh, five no. to six minutes on yes. a side and then one turn. And you're probably, for a three-pound fish, you're talking about probably two large fish spatulas to, yeah. to turn that guy or a Definitely. giant pair of tongs. Yeah, to, because as it cooks, it it's going to become very delicate. So, yes. And then when it comes off to bone it, you yes. rest it for a moment. Mm-hmm. Just like it's the, the one thing that people often do with fish is they think, that, well, 
meat they may have figured out to rest, but they don't often do that with a piece of fish for a minute. And you really do have to do that mm-hmm. so that the, the juices flow back and the, you know, the, to, to, to where they should. If you don't, then the bones don't go anywhere. Right. <laughs> well, you, you just, and you want to be able to just lift that meat off of the bones. So that's, you want it to be, have steamed and sort of cooked itself to that point where you can just simply lift it off the, the, stru- the bone structure of the fish. Yeah, so you have your four nice fillets and mm-hmm. and uh, a nice sauce with that. Maybe some real yo traditional Sicilian sauce with that. So lots of capers, uh, lemon, some fish stock if you have fish stock, mm-hmm. uh, fresh herbs. Usually laurel bay is something that that is steeped for. Like if you have fresh bay steeped in that sauce for a day or two, uh, when you keep it around, and uh, you know extra virgin olive oil, lemon juice, sometimes tomato. Definitely a little bit of spring garlic if you have it, but fresh garlic for sure. Is in there, and that's the kind of thing that's just you know, just ladled over the yes. ladled over a fish like that. So, Tony, with all this wonderful fish, what would you suggest wine-wise? Oh, uh, I mean, white whites, whites from the Italian coast, a very easy thing to do, super Mediterranean thing um, to to grill fish in this way. So, look for Verdicchio is an easy one. Vermentino is another one. Uh, those are two grapes, not super expensive, a lot of flavor. Uh, both are almost saline fresh. They do great with fish like that. Also, also rosés, rosés from Provence, uh, like Bandol. This is Cindy Wolf and Tony Foreman. Thanks for listening to us on Foreman and Wolf on Food and Wine. We had a lot of fun talking about grilling, and we'll talk a little bit more later in the summer about grilling as we start to get in some of our wonderful local farm product, and you all get your gardens going strong. Really excited to talk further about the subject. <laughs>